the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes as we uh, get ready to take on week 10 of the NFL schedule. Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, Tyler Brando, Ty Fuego not with us today, but Jerome Jones! Jerome! (laughs) Holding down producer (laughs) roles here today. You're going to need to hold on to that noise because we are not in our normal studios today. So we are kind of throwing it at the wall to see if it sticks here. We're going to bring it home for Jerome. We're going to bring it home for Jerome. Oh, oh, my heart. (laughs) Uh, It is Kevin Crockett here with the Aired Out Podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com. Go there for all all your football needs, high school, college. Professional, we've got it all going on for you. So a busy day so far in the NFL early this morning. Bruce Urban uh, committed to the Atlanta Falcons, going back home to Atlanta. And probably the bigger name, the more important one, I shouldn't say more important, but the bigger name out there, Des Bryant agrees with a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints, who are riding pretty high right now. So, fellas, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to talk about Des here. Chris, I'll go ahead and start with you. Des Bryant to the Saints, what do you think? Good move, bad move, how's it look? I think it's a pretty good move. When... You look at the Saints, especially what they did last week against that a really talented Rams defense uh, with just Michael Thomas, Ben Watson making big plays, and you have that um, dynamic duo back backfield of uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and you add a 50-50 guy in Des Bryant. It's going to open up a lot of things for Des Bryant in that offense because the focus isn't going to be on him like it was in Dallas. You you have Alvin Kamara to worry about in the backfield and, and also – him getting on the plays in the flat. You have Michael Thomas, uh, Ben Watson. He's like a fine wine. He's still pretty, still pretty good with age, and it's they're the best team in the NFC right now. You just added a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver roster. You can only benefit from it. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that it was a good move. Um, I, I don't, I don't agree that you know it's a. Um, that he's a, going to be a headache in the locker room or that he's going to throw off the team chemistry or anything like that. I think Sean Payton is a good enough coach to be able to help him out and um, keep him from being a distraction or, or a, a cancer in the locker room. I think the locker room itself is uh, very well um, knit with Drew Brees leading. Um, I think they really all buy into the system and they really follow Drew's lead. So I think that it's a good fit. I think he is, like Chris said, a, a, a big weapon. I mean, a 50-50 guy in the red zone that you can kind of just throw it up, and you, you we know his track record with that. Um, and to me, I, I don't think they've had that in a while uh, since Jimmy Graham, um, a huge red zone threat. So um, I think Des Bryant, gives him, Des Bryant gives him that red zone threat. Um, I think it – opens up the running game for Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara more because now you can't drop too many people in the box um, just because you do have to guard these two um, Pro Bowl-type caliber receivers uh, on the outside now. So I think it's a good move. I think it if it plays out well, I personally feel like the, uh, the Saints are the best team in the NFL right now. And I think that if it plays out well, um, and they get what they want or what they're expecting from Des Bryant, uh, they're actually my pick to go to the Super Bowl. You know, it's interesting. You had mentioned the Jimmy Graham kind of role because that was what I first thought. I think everybody, when they think Des Bryant, they think he's still like coming in somewhere trying to be a number one receiver. This isn't the case here. Michael Thomas already 70 catches on the year. Um, I think it's an interesting thing because they've lost Ted Ginn. They've been very thin at wide receiver. So right now, who is that take the top off guy? You know, you can obviously get Alvin Kamara out there and he can make plays. But uh, it's interesting that Des Bryant's going to come in here and he's not going to be facing team's number one corners. He's not going to be facing any double coverage. 
so he's going to have the opportunity to make plays. You know, one of the things we talked about in acquiring a wide receiver at the deadline in the last couple of weeks is how deep can you get in the playbook? So yeah. how much, you know, I, I, to this point, I'm not too familiar on who Des may know with that Saints offensive side of the ball. If he's got a coach over there that could be like, okay, we're going to give you some situations and examples that were just like what you saw in Dallas that will apply here in New Orleans. Uh, I don't know how much of a player he is with that. So you wonder what situations they're going to be able to get him in that will be conducive for his skill set. On top of that, the mental aspect of the game. Are you literally just telling Dez, like, hey, find X in the playbook, learn all the X? Are you telling him you're just going to be on the left side of these formations, kind of minimize as much as he could possibly get in? Because we are already midway through the season. The bye week has already happened for the Saints. There's a lot of things that are going to be need to be caught up on for Dez Bryant that certainly he won't be playing on Sunday. Can't imagine he'd be playing very much the following Sunday against the Eagles. However, with all the question marks that we talked about, and is he a locker room guy and stuff like that, I think the first thing that happens for teams that are going to be playing the Saints now is it something else to think about. So even if he is out there and there's only two wide receivers out there and the, out there and the Saints get tricky or try to go two tight ends or they try to go two running backs and Dez is the only wide receiver out there, he's just a guy that you have to think about out there when he's out to make plays. So another weapon for Drew Brees, which is exactly what the Saints needed at this point, right after a big win against the Rams. So you guys said it. So are, are we saying if, if the Super Bowl were to happen next week that the Saints are Super Bowl champions? Chris, I'll start with you. I'm still not ready to say that the Saints are going to be Super Bowl champs. I still think either I still think either the the Patriots or the Chiefs are still a better team than the New Orleans Saints, especially when it comes to preparing for a shootout. But as of right now, it's hard to argue that the Saints are the best team in the NFC right now. They are absolutely unstoppable on offense, and this is all before they got all before they even got this right. Even the week before. When Drew Brees only had 120 yards, Alvin Kamara kind of took over that game, and they got a bunch of key stops on defense to shut down Kirk Cousins and uh, that Vikings offense. Um, I I want to agree, um, but I, I can't. I think that if, like you said, if the Super Bowl happened next week, I think the Saints win. Um, I think that they're the better team defensively than the Rams and the Chiefs. I think. They're on par with the Patriots. The Patriots' defense has definitely been playing extremely better the last five weeks of the season. Um, but I still think that with the weapons that they have, I think, and the, the the way they're putting up points, I think the Saints, um, I think the Saints would would end up pulling it out. I just don't see the, the like to me the Patriots don't have as many weapons on offense to combat the Saints. Like for example, Gronk is out. Um, so it's just, for, for me, I'm, I'm going with the Saints. So I think it's obvious at this point that the Saints, maybe the whole theme in the NFL now is not necessarily, it's it's bend but don't break defense and try to outscore everybody on offense. So the Saints schedule coming up, coming off of that win where they just gave up 35 points to the Rams, they play a Bengals team that can score, an Eagles team that we'll get back to in a second, a Falcons team that we'll get back into in a second. They play games against the Cowboys and Buccaneers. They still have to play the Panthers twice in three weeks to end the season. And the Panthers are quietly in the last couple of weeks kind of flying under the radar. And I think just because of how well the Saints have been, flying under the radar in that division and are all of a sudden a team to worry about. And they have a game with the Steelers in week 16. So uh, definitely a ton of points are going to need to be scored. And I think it's interesting. You look at they go out and they get Des Bryant maybe to be that red zone guy. I, I think you look at Bruce Irvin going to the Falcons. The Falcons realize, okay, we can score, but we got to try to get some stops. 
It brings me back to the Eagles trade for Golden Tate because the three things that I thought the Eagles offense did really well, especially when Carson Wentz quarterback the vast majority of the season last year was they scored on their opening drive. They kept the ball on third down and they beat you in time of possession. Now, all of a sudden they've had a defense that has given up a ton of fourth down plays, some head scratching plays against Carolina and Tennessee. But all of a sudden, the Eagles go out and get a guy in Golden Tate that says, okay, we're going to play keep away. We're going to do exactly what we could. We're going to go old school New York Giants against the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl, you know, the Super Bowl. We're going to try to beat you 20 to 19. We're going to try to keep you off the scoreboard, keep our guys on the field. I guess the question is, moving forward, is it going to have to take an offensive? Are we going to see a Super Bowl like we saw last year? Where it was 41-33 or 34-28 the year before? Or is there actually finally going to be a point where a team can step up, control the ball, control the game, and win it kind of old school, running, converting on third downs, doing it that way? Avery, I'll go ahead and start with you. Is there, is there a team out there that kind of fits that mold that could play defense well enough and play offense well enough that they could threaten to win the whole thing? Um, if I was to be a betting man, I would say uh, in the NFC, that team to me, like that, just, they can they can run the ball and play well enough defense. I think to me, there's two teams in the NFC right now. One is the Panthers, um, as that you mentioned, just because of the threat that Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey present running the football, um, and their defense plays well enough to keep the score um, to keep the score down. I think um, the second team, and though they haven't shown it up until this point i think that they can turn it around so bear with me here but i think that the other team is the Rams. i think they're built to obviously clearly run the football um and move the football down the field um and i think if you got them into a position where they were just they just decided to hand the ball off to todd Gurley and play solid football um i think that they could do i think they can do it so and then the afc obviously the patriots um, you got to throw them in there. But then the Steelers. The Steelers, I think what James Conner has been doing this year is just, for me, completely unexpected. Um, I'm pretty sure nobody else expected it um, other than probably James Conner himself. And he, he might not have even expected it. But I, I think that they can play uh, solid enough football where they can run the football, um, kind of beat you down the field, you know, power power offense, and then play well enough defense. And possibly, if they get it together, possibly Jacksonville, they get a quarterback. So I think for the AFC, I think if Sonny Michelle comes back, except for, I think New England, because then you have that threat of of a young, fr- young fresh legs in January, able to just grind out the clock and just play keep away, similar to what they did um, Sunday night against uh, Green Bay. They were just able just to close it all out on the fourth quarter and just got key stops. Not to shut down Aaron Rodgers, just got key stops when he needed to. And the offense was able just to put the game where he needed to be put away. And also, let's not ignore Kansas City. When they when Andy Reid wants to run the ball with Kareem Hunt, they do it really well. And they really do it efficiently. So, I think Kansas City is also another one for the NFC. Carolina, out of all the possible contenders that I could possibly think of, Legitimate Super Bowl contenders, Carolina to me runs the ball effectively the most, followed by the Saints because of that duo with Alba Kamara and Mark Ingram. But also, I'm just going to give a surprise team. I think Chicago is also a team that is able to just grind out the clock and play great defense. That defense that they have with uh, Khalil Mack when he gets himself able to get back on the field and healthy. Uh, you got Eddie Jackson. They. 
they're just a turnover. They're just a turnover juggernaut on defense. And you have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. That same like one-two punch that uh, the Saints have with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, they also have it in Chicago. If Mitch Trubisky can able to continue to progress and get more confident throughout the season, Chicago may be a team that you don't want to face in January. Two things. I do agree with the Chicago um, sleeper. That That's actually a really good one. Another one is in the AFC is the Chargers. Um, I think they can run the ball and play well enough defense as well. I think, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon is actually kind of underrated running between the tackles. I know that a lot of people think that he's a speedster. He can kind of get in the space and he does his thing. But I think his vision, I don't – not necessarily his power or his pop or anything like that, but I think his vision um, – he, 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 he's able to squeeze through holes, you know, between the tackles that uh, normal normal backs wouldn't be able to. Um, and I think defensively, they're playing pretty good football right now. So they're, they're, they're my sleeper for the edge. So I guess I'll ask this then, because we focused a lot on teams that are currently in front of their division, maybe have put together a couple of wins in a row. You look at a team like Carolina and stuff like that. We're into the second half of the schedule. Is there any team that's maybe hovering around 500, below 500 right now that looks like they might be able to sneak into that playoff picture? Uh, because obviously the first eight games of the season, things are going to happen. You get into the second eight games of the season and things are going to happen. So, I mean, you look at a team like the Falcons. The Falcons were dead in the water and all of a sudden are in the mix right now in the NFC. Um, so you're just taking a look at those teams, those kind of middle-of-the-pack teams. Who was a team for you guys that you think could take a leap up and all of a sudden become a threat in the playoffs. I'll go ahead and start a a team that's kind of had injuries and head-scratching moments and Ty Montgomery runs a ball out of the end zone when Aaron Rodgers has a chance to get the ball in his hands. How do you still bet against Green Bay in a division that's still very much up for grabs in the NFC North? They still have to play two games against the AFC East. That does not include the New England Patriots, who they lost to last weekend. They go back-to-back at Seattle, at Minnesota. you got to think if you can at least pull out that Minnesota game all of a sudden, you're still in the mix for the division. You still have to go to Chicago. You've got an Atlanta game at home, which could have wild card implications written all over it. You go to the Jets. You host the Lions. I don't want to bet against Aaron Rodgers. And the thing is, with him, you never know. That team could go 4-4 four and four down the stretch and sputter their way to a 500 record. Or they could go 8-0 down the stretch. And all of a sudden, you might be having to play a game in Lambeau. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys here. Who is it that you think is kind of sitting in that middle of the pack right now that's ready to hit the gas in the second half of the season? I think uh, for the NFC, um, I'm going to go with the Falcons. One, because of what they're doing offensively. They're scoring at a clip that's you know equal to the top teams in the league. They're the second team on third down. I think that is really what, if, if I was to hang my hat on one thing, it would be that. The fact that they're second in the league on, in third down percentage, I think that bodes well for them because, it, it, to me, it tells me they're keeping other offenses off the field, um, which is something that they need to do because defensively they are decimated by injuries. Keanu Neal's going for the year. Ricardo Allen's going for the year. Um, Deion Jones, they're saying, might not be back until late November, December. So I think that... The, the Falcons could possibly, just because of the division, um, I think they played well in the division. I mean, they lost to the Saints by, you know, less than a touchdown. So I think the, the Falcons in the NFC, um, obviously the Eagles, um, I think if they get on a roll, I, I'm they're, they're the defending champs. Like, <laughs> they're still scary to me. So I think the Eagles. But then in the AFC, I think the, uh, the Titans. I think the Titans, um, they play in a division where it's kind of so up in the air. Like, everybody going into the year kind of thought, 
Houston and Jacksonville, basically. Like, you were kind of torn between the two. Uh, you were like, you know, Deshaun Jackson, the way he played early uh, last season, if he can get back to that, then, you know, they could be a threat. Um, and they are right now. Um, but I think that the Titans, I think that um, the win yesterday um, against Dallas or, uh, was, was something that can possibly propel them into, like, a, a winning streak, I think. They would, they've been they've won a game, lost a game, won a game, lost a game. So I think this can you know possibly turn their season around and they can uh, mix them up. Way to take all the options. <laughs> but Chris is like, I got the Raiders running the table in the second half. Yeah. Let me go first. Yeah. <laughs> no, but to be fair, um, I, the Eagles right now are four and four. They pick you obviously pick up um, going to team. It's probably one of the better third down wide receivers, and the Eagles bread and butter last year was your ability to convert third downs. You have, and you add Golden Tate to an offense that is slowly building its way back up. Um, you, you're getting encouraged by seeing um, the way Josh Adams was running all in London. Um, Darren Sproles is getting back. Timmy Jernigan will be active this week. It's yeah, Sproles. And, and more importantly, they have a schedule. I, the only real legitimate threat that they probably have left in that schedule is the Saints on the road, and they have to play Houston in December which could play into whether or not how much distance they can get, whether they are finally get with Washington or still behind Washington. And they play Washington twice in December. So the, the Eagles still have the talent to pull off uh, possibly 11-5 or 10-6 and, and still make like a, a run for the NFC. For the AFC, I got to I gotta agree with Tennessee. Tennessee was a wild card pick for me. I'm really encouraged what Marcus Mariota was able to do on Monday night against Dallas and Dallas. And it looked like they finally found something on offense that suits Mariota with the skill set. It looked like a bunch of those plays, those screens, those shovel passes. It looked like the Mariota that we saw in Oregon. Deion Lewis was everywhere, was the renaissance man um, in terms of running and catching the football. Derrick Henry found the end zone. Corey Davis is looking more and more like there's a reason why he picked me uh, in the top ten in that draft. And that defense is just absolutely scary. Harold Landry's finding his way, Rashard Evans. Jarrell Casey's still there. Um, that, that back secondary is slowly getting itself together. So look out for Tennessee. That wild card picture, really on both sides, seems like it just doesn't have anything too well defined. You talk about Carolina right now in the in the NFC. You talk, I mean, Miami's five and four. Like if you if if you honestly sat there before I said Miami's five and four, and I said, hey, what's the Dolphins' record? There's a good chance you'd be like, uh, I really don't know. But they're five and four. You look at a team like Cincinnati kind of hovering around there. So definitely a lot to be defined in the playoff picture still. Two questions. Just one, just to kind of like nitpick or, or piggyback off of what you were just saying about the Dolphins. If you're the Dolphins, do you, because they're, they're debating who they're going to start, Brock Osweiler or Ryan Tannehill. Who do you, who do you start? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I, the Jets handed you a game last I mean you didn't you, you didn't score a touchdown yeah your defense scored a touchdown you won 13-6 at home like there's Sam Darnold gave you four picks right yeah. there, there's a reason why Brock Osweiler is you know credit to Adam Gase because Adam Gates had him be productive in Denver and they're probably the vast majority of people thought like Brock Osweiler was never going to get another opportunity in the NFL again Unfortunately for Ryan Tannehill, it comes after an injury, but Ryan Tannehill had some things going in motion for that team to begin the season. They're another team that just seems every time somebody gets healthy, somebody gets hurt. But uh, the, the second question, does the NFC South have three teams in the playoffs again this year? I don't think that's too far-fetched. I, I could see somebody winning the NFC East at nine. 
the way the NFC North is sitting right now, I can see somebody winning at nine. And you look at the NFC West. I mean, if Seattle would have won this past week, I think it would have been like a real eye opener for a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. they let a good Chargers team come in. Chargers didn't exactly play their best game, and Seattle didn't play their best game either at home. So looks like the Rams are going to run away with that division. So I've got to say, yeah, it's a really, really real possibility. Yeah, I'd say it's a real possibility as well. But I still think two teams are going to come out of the NFC North because um, the Vikings are rolling. They got 11 sacks on Matt Stafford in that offense. And the Chicago Bears, I mean, you can only play who's in front of your schedule, but good back-to-back wins against both the Jets and the Bills. They're, they're right in the thick of things for not only the front line, but Walker for doing that division as well. All right, man, so we're airing it out here. Air it out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com. It's time for those 10 minutes of takes. So you guys know the drill. I'm going to throw a take out at you. If you disagree with it, I want you to throw a hand up, and then Jerome is going to make this noise. All right, here we go, fellas. 10 minutes of takes. I'm going to throw a match. You disagree, throw a hand up. Todd Bowles is the next head coach fired in the NFL. I think we can all agree on that, right? Oh. I think... With any rookie quarterback, um, coaches are going to give have a little more leash on the rope because it was not too long ago that Top Bulls got a ten and six just team with Ryan Fitzpatrick as a star quarterback, almost knocking on the door for the playoffs. I think the I think another off season you can finally adequately build around Sam Darnold because you know there he's going to be the guy that you're going to be building around, rebuild that offensive line, finally get him a number one offensive threat because Robbie Anderson's not a number one wide receiver. And I think Todd Bowles is probably going to get another two years. I don't see him getting fired. Uh, I agree with all those points. I think the other thing that bodes well for Todd is the fact that the players love him. Um, players across the league, especially on the Jets, are saying, I, like even retired players are saying, I would love to play for Todd Bowles just because of his approach to the game, his knowledge of the game, his his temperament, everything about him. They're saying, like, and I think the organization realizes that as well. That um, you know, it, it, he's he's somebody whose temperament it, it bodes well for the future of the team. Um, I think also, um, as Chris alluded to, the fact that you got Sam Darnold, he's a young quarterback. You don't want to try. You don't. I'm. I don't like when I see too much mix up when you bring in young quarterbacks. That to me is kind of you know um, oxymoronic in a, in a sense. Where it's just like you bring in a young quarterback and then you change his head coach. So like for example, like. Now, granted, he's not a good coach. Hugh Jackson is terrible. But to his point, he's saying, like, I didn't get to finish the year out with Baker. He's a young guy. He's like, it was unfair on Baker's part. And that's what kind of Stephen A. Smith was, like, talking about. Like, do you think it was unfair on Baker's part just uh, from the standpoint of the guy is young? So, I think I got to agree that he is the first coach fired because I think you let that game – if they win that game in Miami this past weekend – you know, he's shooting to get past that five-win mark that they've been hovering around lately. Okay, show me some development. You gutted a win out in the division, <clears throat> on the road. You went and got it. Okay. Uh, typically, you look at the Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay situation in L.A. You had a quarterback in his rookie year not be very successful, and then you brought in a bright offensive coach, which seems to be the trend with these young quarterbacks bringing in a bright offensive head coach to come in, and that's where you hang your hat. You look at Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston. The reason Dirk Cutter got that job is because they felt like he could bring along Jameis Winston more than anybody else could in that organization, and that's why he got the head coach uh, head coaching job. 
unfortunately for him, it looks like that might be the same reason why he's going to lose his job because <laughs> yeah. Jameis Winston, you and know. I was going to say, that's, that, that's my pick to be the next person. Yeah, same. So uh, it'll be interesting. With that uh, team that's on a roll right now, Michigan, we kind of touched on this last week, Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach next season. We're thinking he's staying at Michigan. Okay, I don't think I agree with that. I think it depends on the situation. Um, I actually would have thought it would have been really interesting if... Well, your question was, Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach next season. Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach next season. Okay, you are agreeing with that. Right, so I thought it was interesting because I think if the Colts had gone through the process of realizing that uh, McDaniels wasn't going to be their guy... And then they ended up kind of hiring Frank Reich out of almost necessity. If Harbaugh would have came to them and been like, okay, Andrew Luck's going to be coming back. Knew the Andrew Luck situation a little better. He had played in Indianapolis. I'd be really interested to see if Jim Harbaugh was going to be coaching for the Colts uh, going into this season. But obviously he's got Michigan on a roll now. And if Michigan can keep that going, he might stay at Michigan. But uh, as of right now, I guess we all agree. Yeah, I was going to say that it depends on how Michigan finishes the season. If Michigan ends up, Missing the playoffs for whatever reason, I can definitely see him leaving for the first opportunity, and my pick will probably be Baltimore. I think. Actually, replacing his brother? Yeah. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, nah, he wouldn't do that. That's that's just disloyal. That's not even like, forget politics. That's like, you might have some. Now, granted, I, you know. I mean, say about like, like, Baltimore missed the playoffs. This is the fourth straight year that they missed the playoffs. And they were, and think about it, the the GM and the owner were thinking about firing Carbo last year. Um, Flacco's at the end of his contract. You're going to have a brand new uh, rookie quarterback going into second year, Lamar Jackson. That's a really appealing job. It is an appealing it is job, appealing. but he wouldn't do that to his brother. I don't he think the Ravens would want to get into that mess yeah, either. That was, that's too stupid. That's messy. More importantly, I don't think John Harbaugh gets fired. I think they realize that John Harbaugh's not the issue. Joe Flacco is. That's the issue to me. I'm sorry. I would say, but. but. I would say Joe Flacco's contract over the last few years has been the issue that's because he's actually been able to get a little bit of talent around him this year, and they're another team that's had to face some injuries. Remember John Brown? Remember remember John Brown? He had that little pop-out in Arizona. Everybody's like, oh, he's gone, and then he came back, and he showed some light for Baltimore. But that contract is really what's really set them back. They're, Ozzie Newsom is going to be retiring at the end of the year, so uh, they're, they're, they might do a whole organizational revamp in Baltimore. Ozzie. Right? Seriously. Talk about doing it at every level in the NFL. Uh, All right, moving right along here. Hot take. Des Bryant has more catches than Golden Tate in the last eight games of the season. I'm sorry. I disagree. Golden Tate is a catching machine, especially on third down. I think Golden Tate is definitely going to be the one. The Eagles had a buy to accommodate for the acquisition of Golden Tate, as opposed to Des Bryant just signing his deal. He's going to sign it tomorrow. So, you're expecting not to play in Cincinnati and then probably just going to get integrated slowly into the following week. I don't see that happen. All right, moving right along. Nick Mullins, everybody's uh, rookie of the year right now. Nick Mullins with that big game on Thursday night against Oakland of all teams is competing for a starting job in the NFL next season. It's it's one game against an Oakland Raiders team that seemed to just completely channel out John Gruden. It's one game. Let's see if he can finish the rest of the season in that same capacity. And yeah, I was, it's just one game. You know, it was a it was a nice game for the young man. Yeah, and happy for him because that's got to be. I mean, you want to talk about a pucker up moment? Hey, kid, 
opening game, state rival, go in there, Thursday night football, all eyes on you. Good luck. Uh, credit to that 49ers skill positions players because they definitely got him big chunks of yardage. Uh, so I think that affected his stat line a little bit. But uh, the landscape of the NFL is always next man up. Uh, so I, I certainly don't think he'll be replacing Jimmy Garoppolo, but there's a handful of teams that are going to be looking for a starting quarterback next year. And depending on what his contract situation is, I think C.J. Beathard's proven that he's a good backup. He's certainly a serviceable backup quarterback. So right now there's not too many teams that are sitting with three guys on their roster uh, at the quarterback position that can, that can step in and play. So it'll be I interesting to see. You think he's going to get a shot? Well, realistically, so Oakland may be a team that could be moving on from their quarterback. Jacksonville is a team that could be moving on from their quarterback. Uh, the Giants are a team that are going to be looking at quarterback. So, um, you know, I don't know how many people you're going to be able to convince if you're the Giants that you're going to bring Nick Mullins is as your starting quarterback. But uh, competing, I could see him ending up on a roster and, and certainly swinging for the fences. Uh, Sam Bradford is on an NFL roster next season. This, this is the last we're off for Sam Bradford. Um, he didn't even get a chance to finish the season. He's been hurt way too much. He's made, made way too much money. And I don't see, the way I'm seeing the landscape of the NFL right now, I think a lot more teams are going to bet on bringing in either rookie quarterbacks or even possibly like venturing and like probably bringing in like a Nick Mullins or a Teddy Bridgewater instead of just shelling out like 15 mil for Sam Bradford again. I don't think he... He's going to get $15 million. I mean, I think he's done with all the big contracts and everything like that. I think he signs for maybe even a vet minimum, uh, vet minimum, but I think that he ends up on a roster somewhere as a backup. I just, I mean, definitely not going to be competing for a starting job. But Sam Bradford is good enough to be a bridge if there is a injury to go down for, you know, somebody hurts a thumb and they're out for two, three games. He can keep the ship steady. I don't think he's going to propel you into the playoffs or be a Super Bowl winning quarterback or anything like that. But I think, especially when it comes to the backup quarterback position, you want experience. It's not always about the talent level. It's about the experience and the vet mentality. So I think he ends up on the team as a backup. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get that $20 million, $15 million deal or anything like that. But if Chase Daniel is still a backup quarterback in the NFL <laughs> – and if Derek Anderson is still a backup quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL in some situations. Hey, Derek Anderson was a Pro Bowl 11 years ago. 11 years ago, that's right. Sam Bradford was the number one pick in the draft. He won a Heisman Trophy. Doesn't mean he's going to be winning any Super Bowls anytime soon. Uh, that is going to wrap us up here for the Air It Out podcast, brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com. Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, Tyler Brando, Ty Fuego, and Jerome Jones with the sound effects today. <laughs> We don't, we don't pay you enough around here, man. Really, we, we don't. So uh, it is Kevin Crockett. It is the Aaron Al Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's keep the NFL season rolling right along. <laughs>